Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. Sorry. My all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me. the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns. Calls me home here in the power of Christ. I'll stand.
Savior's love through 
dressed in his righteousness alone I'll faultless stand before the throne Y'all can be seated. No sweeter name than I've ever known No sweeter name than the name of Jesus No sweeter name than the name of Jesus No sweeter name than I've ever known No sweeter name than the name of Jesus the life to my heart and my soul you are the light to the darkness around me you are the hope to the hopeless and broken you are the only truth and the way no sweeter name than the name of Jesus no sweeter name than I've ever known No sweeter name than the name of Jesus Oh, you are the light to my heart and my soul You are the light to the darkness around me You are the hope to the hopeless and broken You are the only truth the light to my heart and my soul you are the light to the darkness around me you are the hope to the hopeless and broken you are the only truth and the You are the only truth and the way. You are the light to my heart and my soul. You are the light to the darkness around me. You are the hope to the hopeless and broken. You are the only truth and the way. You are the light to my heart and my soul. You are the light to the darkness around me. You are the hope to the hopeless and broken.
As we were singing these songs this morning, I was couldn't help but really think about the three songs. You know, um, first one was what's the name of the first one? In Christ alone, and then then Cornerstone, and uh, and the name of Jesus. I don't remember the name of that one. I was thinking about just the truth that when we think about it, when you think about other religions, and you think about. Um, I don't care which religion you think of. It, it could be uh, Buddhist, Hinduist, whatever. You think about any of them. Um, all these religions, they have a God, right? But um, obviously it's not a true God. But what they lack is Christ. They lack a, a God that stepped out of heaven to become a sacrifice for mankind. Um, and so I was thinking about this morning as we were celebrating who he was, how amazing of a truth that is. And we're actually going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, but in Psalms 8, um, I'm going to tell you the story that I was this week, I, when I was preparing this sermon, I was really sitting on my front porch, patio, whatever you want to call it. If you've been to my house, it's not really a porch because it's not elevated. And so I guess you call it a patio. I don't know. Um, but I was sitting on that pretty much the entire time when I was looking at this this week. Uh, other than when I was at work and other places. Um, and in a little bit, I'm going to tell you a story about my thought process as I was reading Psalms 8. Um, but when I was reading through it and I really looked at Psalms 8, and one thing you're going to notice is that verse 1 and verse 9 is very, very similar. So to really understand the purpose of this psalm, let's look at verses 1 and 9, and then I'm going to pray and then we're going to read the entire chapter. Verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And then verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth. 
When we see in Psalms 8, uh, he's going to present three different things. Uh, but this is a different psalm than what we've went through already. And so I was really excited about reading this psalm. Uh, it's different, not in the sense that all of these other psalms would have been songs when they were glorifying and singing to God. But Psalms 8 is nothing but the glory of God. And he, he proclaims the glory of God from verse 1 to verse 9. And I just, I love this psalm. And I was thinking about it in verses 1 and 9. Just wrap it up oh, so perfectly. So this morning, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm really nervous about Psalms 8. Because what we're going to talk about is probably the greatest subject. Well, I know it is the greatest subject that you can ever talk about. And the greatest subject we will ever talk about. And that is God Himself. And how we glorify Him. And so as we uh, get ready to go into the Scripture, I want to pray real quick and then we'll read all of it. To Heavenly Father, first and foremost, God, thank You for Christ. Thank You for who He is, God. He is God the Son that stepped out of heaven, God, that became a curse for us so that we can have a hope in Him, God. And because of that, God, we see and we think of who You are. We, we see that You created the entire world out of nothing, God. And that even when, when men have sinned and fallen short, God, that You have planned and You did and You fulfilled salvation through Christ Jesus, God. And because of all of that, because of all of those truths, God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And who has set thy glory above the heavens. God, we thank you for who you are, God. And I just pray this morning as we look at your words um, portrayed through David, God, that you hide me behind the cross, God. You take the words that I have and you remove them, God, and you present the words that you have for your people, God, and that we, as your children, begin to prepare our heart and our mind, and God, we respond accordingly and however you're calling us to. We love you and we praise you and we glorify you, God, because you are the one greater than anything else. In your son's holy name, amen. If you will, let's look at verse 1 through 9. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and the oxen, even the beasts of the field the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. 
I love this psalm, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's not one I knew before I was preparing to go through the book of Psalms. And as I read it earlier on, but I was reading it again this week, I couldn't help but think and glorify God as I was reading this. Because what we see throughout this entire psalm is God's glory and power and, and just majesty exclaimed to all of the world. And so when we look at this, I want to, once again, I want to talk about verses 1 and 9, and then we're going to look at verses 2, and then we'll go from there. But he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. So when you read Psalms 1, uh, 8, 1 and 8, 9, it almost seems like he's repeating himself in verse 1, right? He says, O Lord, O Lord. Um, and so really, uh, it kind of gets tricky, and I'm not saying they did a bad job translating this, but when you break down and you look at the original Hebrew and all of that, what you really see is two different names for God here. Um, you have Lord, and then it, in all language it translated to Lord again, but really what it could have been a little better if it would have said, O Lord, our Master. Um, and just this concept, it's just very hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're very autonomous beings, right? We, we, we hold on to who we are. We think we're our own masters at times, that we can do what we want and when we want and just live how we want to live. But David is removing that. And he's saying, O Lord, our master, O Lord, our God, O Lord, our King, O Lord, our Savior. And think about who is saying this. This is David. This is the king uh, of the nations, right? And he's saying, O oh Lord, our Master. This is the King of Israel calling God. He's the King, right? He, he's over anyone. And he's saying that God is their Master. And then he goes on and he talks about, you know, how excellent is your name. And you have set your glory above the heavens. And really, when I read this, I just want to think about it. I want you to think about how amazing our God is. And I know I talk about this a lot, and I know it may get old to hear it, but we have a God that took absolutely nothing and created everything. Um, I know Steve and Randall probably could, but if you gave me a bunch of lumber, I couldn't build a house. But what you see is that God, He took absolutely nothing, and He created everything. So when I think about this, what I want you to imagine is just a beautiful sight you've seen this week. Maybe you're friends with uh, Summer's dad on Facebook or Instagram and you see the pictures he takes of the moon and the stars or the, the sunset and things like that. Or maybe you just picture something like that. Picture a sunset or uh, the moon or the stars. Or maybe you want to think of your wife or your husband, your son or your daughter. Think about these things and just think about these amazing things that God has done. Right? He, he's created all of this out of nothing. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he, he does this. And so how amazing is our God if we just stop there? If we don't talk about Christ or salvation or nothing else, when we just look at how God has created everything by speaking it to being, how amazing is He? And you kind of get this later on in verse 3. This is the same thing David, he goes through the same thought process. He thinks about the creation of God. And, but we see how amazing our God is. And even if you read Romans chapter 1, it says that creation, humankind, they know that there is a God by the creation that God has made. I was thinking about it. A buddy of mine got to go to the Grand Canyon a few weeks ago and I was looking at pictures 
out there above, you know, you just see the picture of Grand Canyon. And I was, I was asking about it. I've never been, and I really want to go. Um, and I was asking him about it, and he said, man, there's nothing like it. You just you look out and you, you see just how amazing our God is that He's created all of this. And when you look at pictures, it does justice, but it's a little different. So first off, we see that how amazing is our God. And then he, He's about to lay out about three different things of how amazing God is. And so He goes on in verse 2. He says, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. To really make sense of this, I want to read 1 Corinthians 1.27. It says, but God chose what is the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to make the strong. And what he's saying here is that God has taken uh, the mouths of babes and nursing, nursing infants and He has shown His strength in them. That He is victorious over His enemies through the mouths of the babes and nursing infants. And I really think about this, and I know babies are amazing things, right? They're gifts from God. There is no doubt about that. But if you think about when a child is trying to learn how to talk, and you think about, um, I don't even remember what I was watching. I think it was Friends, actually. But I was watching something this week, and I thought about it again. And it was this scene where the baby just said, goo goo gaga or something of that nature. And they thought the baby had talked, right? But you think about a baby learning to talk, and they just they say things that don't even make sense, right? They, they, may, they, they say things that it's not even words. Or then when a baby learns to talk, when they're pronunciating things and they're learning words, they'll pronunciate it wrong. And I have some funny stories of that, but I can't say them right now. Um, and you think about these, what kids say. It's hilarious, right? And it's, just, it's not because they don't know better. It's not because they're not amazing creatures. It's just the process, right? They, they start off by saying things that just doesn't make sense. And what David is saying is that God has taken this thing, the goo-goos and the gagas of babies, and He has shown His victory and His strength over His enemies in this. How amazing is it that we have a God that can, that can defeat our enemies by the mouths of babes and nursing infants. Then verse 3, uh, I'm going to read um, just three by itself. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moons and the stars which you have ordained. He's saying, look, when I, when I think about all this, when I think about everything that God has created, when I think about how amazing everything is and how it all works together, and, and I know this is a little different, but when you think about it and you look at scientists, what they say is that if the, the sun it was tilted a little bit more on its axis, we would all burn alive. And then even when you go even deeper than that, and you think about humanity and how our bodies were put together and how amazing everything works, that God has He made all of this come into existence, and if it was just slightly different, then it wouldn't have worked. How amazing is our God that He has put all of this together, and He uses the word, the work of your fingers. And when we look through Scriptures, when we talk about God's fingers, what we're talking about is His power. He says that through God's power, He has ordained and He has made all of these things work together. And he was, He's amazed here at everything that God has created. But His amazement, it goes a little bit deeper in verse 4. He says, What is man that you are mindful of Him? And the Son of man that you visit Him? For you have made Him a little lower than angels, and you have crowned Him with glory and honor. 
What David was wrapping his mind around here is what is man that you're mindful of him? Why do you love us so much when you, when you look out and you see all of God's creation, everything that He has put together and ordained to work out and the beauty of it all, and David is reflecting on himself and he's saying, why have you created us? Why are you mindful of us? Then in verses 6 through 8, I'll read it. Well, I'm not going to read it. He says in verse 6, You have made him over dominion, over the works of your hands. And then he says, You have put all things under his feet. And then he goes and he says that, you know, you've put all animals and everything under man's work. That God has given dominion over this world to mankind. How amazing is our God that He has made everything and He's worked it all out. And then in verse 4, He changes it and says, What is man that you're mindful of? Why are you so mindful of man when all of creation is such an amazing thing? When I was reading this this week, as I was telling you, I was sitting out on the the porch and I was reading and I was reading different commentaries and p- different people's thoughts and, and what they thought about it and I was just uh, I got to, and I just looked out and over the trees I was outside for a while and over the trees the sun was going down and it was just beautiful and then even after that I heard the crickets um, I don't know what noise what, what is the noise that cricket makes chirps and birds chirping. I heard all of these things. And I was really thinking about exactly what David was saying here. How amazing is God that He has put all of this together. He's created all of this. And I was sitting there and I was just amazed by God in that moment. Um, and then there's something that happened. I was sitting there and I was, uh, I was sitting on a chair and I had my laptop on the stool and I was reading and I was scrolling down and this little thing flew and they landed on my arm right here and later you can see all the bug bites I have but it's this little thing called a mosquito anybody love those things no right mosquitoes are horrible and I and then it bit me uh, and it really wasn't that big a deal then but later on I went in the house and I had like four or five bug bites on me and I was really thinking about it after that thing bit me and flew off of me you know how amazing is everything that God created but then you have a mosquito uh, I know this is very pity, pity, you know, but a mosquito is just this aggravating thing. And then if you're like me, I hate spiders. Uh, spiders, mosquitoes, uh, maybe you don't like snakes, maybe you don't like, um, I don't know, other things, other bugs. But you think about all these things, you think about how amazing God is, and you look at all the amazing things that God has put together and ordained, and then you think about a mosquito, and it bites you and it just aggravates you, or... or um, gnats or whatever you want to think about and I got to thinking about it and later we're going to look at Genesis chapter uh, 2 and 3 and then we're going to look at Hebrews but I got to thinking about it do you think that in the beginning of the world with Adam and Eve before they sinned do you think those mosquitoes bit them no right they didn't then I that thought process went a little deeper um, I started thinking about you know, natural disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, things of this nature. I, I thought about all of these things. And, you know, before the flood happened, before, I mean, the sin happened, before Adam and Eve fell, none of this would have happened. And so in this moment of creation, man was in complete control of things, right? Adam, it says that he, he, um, he named the animals. 
And I don't know about y'all, but I just don't want to go up and talk to a lion and name them, right? Or, or bears or things like that, unless I got some guns with me. Um, and so when I really, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Psalms 8. Um, and when we see in Psalms 8, he says that, you know, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. But if we're just going to be honest, then there's, there's more to understand here. Because if you really think about it, we as humans, we as men and women, we're not completely dominant over creation. Because we still have mosquitoes that bite us. We still have animals that attack. So, and then we have other things we can't control, the natural disasters and all of that. And so it really it got me thinking in um, one way when you're looking at uh, Scripture, it's good to cross-reference and see where these Scriptures are quoted. And one of the places is Hebrews 2, 5-11. through 11. And I want to read verses 5 through, uh, I think it's 8 or 9 right now, and then we'll come back to the latter part in a minute. It says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, or which we are speaking. It was been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with the glory and honor. Putting everything in subjection his feet. Now putting everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside of his control. Then catch this in verse 8. He says at present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. And so with the the guy that's writing Hebrews, what he's saying here is that God has done this, right? We can't deny this because when we read Genesis chapter 3, when we read Genesis 3, um, Genesis 2, um, Genesis 1, 26, I'm sorry. Genesis 1, 26, he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish, over the cattle, over the earth, and every creeping things that creep on the earth. That, that in Genesis, God gives Adam dominion over these things, even the creeping things that creep on the earth, even mosquitoes and gnats and spiders, that God gives him dominion over this. But when you read Hebrews chapter 2, and the author is quoting this, he says, but this is not yet seen. We don't see this today. And so when I was reading all this, it got me to thinking, what is the issue then? If, if Psalms 8 talks about it, and we see in Genesis 1, chapter 20, uh, 1, verse 26, that God has done this, then what is the issue? Where is the mistake? How are we not having dominion over these things? And I, I couldn't help but think about Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 13. I'm going to read it. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruits of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of your, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to her eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She, looked of its, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. 
And then the eyes of both of them were open, and then they, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called Adam and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you... Uh, eating from the tree of which I've commanded that you should not eat. And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, This you have done. The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Then if you keep reading in chapter 3, we see that because of this action, because of this sin, this original sin, that God, He not only curses the serpent, the woman, and man, but we also see in the curse of man that, that God has cursed the earth itself. Because He told the man that, that no longer will, will it just naturally happen, that He will have to till the garden and deal with the thorns. And so when, when this happened, is where the issue originated. That God had created man over all human things, all living beings, over the earth itself. And God had created all this and He put dominion over the man. But when man sinned, it caused a problem. Now, does this deny Psalms 8? No, because if you read on in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse um, 9, he says, but... We see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory, honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that He from whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. In Hebrews chapter 2, he lays out there exactly what Psalms is talking about here in Psalms 8. Is that God is, he, he created mankind, and when he created mankind, he gave dominion over mankind of the earth. But the issue is that sin happened. And when sin happened, it caused a curse for all things. And so when you read this and you think about it, and I, I, I want to get to the point here, is Psalms 8, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? See, this is the reality is that God is still mindful of man. That even in sin and in separation of God, that God still had a plan to redeem mankind. God still loved man so much and He was so mindful of him that what He was going to do and what He had planned from the beginning was to send Christ to be the sacrifice. See, when we look at all of the creation of God is made, when we at the suns, the stars, when we look at moons, when we look at all of the things outside. And I think about in, um, on August the 21st, there's an, a complete eclipse, which means that there will be darkness. And when we think about how amazing all of these things are, and we see the amazing work of God, and we look at uh, just what He does in this life, and how He's created everything, that alone 
brings Him glory. That alone should cause us to praise and to glorify Him. But the fact that He is mindful of you and He is mindful of me so much that in our sin and in our separation of God that He sent Jesus Christ for us. How much greater is that than anything else? So, what does this mean though? What is the application to all of this? First thing I want to talk about really and simply is that the first thing when we read this, when we read all of this and we read uh, Genesis 1, uh, 1 and 3, when we read Hebrews 2, when we read Psalms 8, what we should see in all of this is that God is mindful of man, and because He was mindful of man, that in our sin and in our separation of Him, He sent Himself in, in the form of Jesus, stepped out of heaven, and to hang on a cross for our name's sake. That God was mindful of them, of us, and what that should cause, first and foremost, is that we come to know Him if we don't. That we come to salvation if we've never been saved, if we've never truly followed after Him. So that should be the first thing. The second thing, though, it should cause us to thank God for what He's done. Because if we, if we want to look at it in a lot of different ways, we see that God's created everything. He's brought us life. That even the air we breathe is because of Him. And then we think about the creation, but we also think about how God is mindful of us. We should thank Him for salvation that we have in Christ and Christ alone. We should thank Him for the way that He takes care of us in the things of this world, in the natural disasters, in in death and in loss of people, in, in sickness and in pain. We should thank God for taking care of us. And the third thing I think we see is the main thing He's talking about in Psalms 8 is that we should glorify God for all of it. See, in verse 1 and verse 9, He says, Our Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name. In all of the earth, who has set thy glory above heavens. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name. This entire psalm is David glorifying God because of the creation and because God is mindful of him. As Sarah comes in a second, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. Um, we're, going to know, we're going to sing another song about Jesus. And this song uh, is actually Jesus paid it all. And when I think about this song, I love this song, and I think everybody knows Jesus paid it all pretty well. You could probably close your eyes and sing it without looking at the TV. Uh, I don't encourage that unless you just want to. But when I think about the song, Jesus paid it all. It fits so perfect with this morning because what we see in Psalms 8, chapter 4, it says, what is God that He is mindful of man? That in our sin, God was mindful of us. And what that should cause inside of you is praise and glorifying God for who He is, for what He's done. And the reality is, is that Jesus has paid it all. We, have to not, we don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about sin. We don't have to worry about separation from God. We don't have to be like Adam was in the garden when God talked to him. What did He say He did? He hid, for He was afraid. Because of salvation in Christ Jesus, because He paid it all, we do not have to worry as we get ready to close, I just want to encourage you, maybe you want to uh, just talk with God where you are, come down to the altar, however you want to do that, but maybe you just want to stand this morning. This is what I want to encourage us. Is let's stand and let us sing this song together. Let's glorify God because Jesus has paid it all. Because of that, we have a hope that never fails. 
that we can hold on to forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the creation. We thank you for the fact that you've placed everything and specifically where it needs to be. And God, because of that, we have life. Because of that, we have breath. Because of that, we have a peace knowing that things are going to work out, God. But God, because that sin has brought in uh, uh, issues that have broken not only us, God, but the, the creation that you have put together for us, God, what we see is that one day you are going to create a new earth and a new heavens, God. And you're going to invite us to reign with you for a thousand years, God. And after that, we'll go to the new heavens. And God, in all of this, we have a hope because Jesus has paid it all. He has took our, our pain and our death and our sin. And he has nailed it to our cross with his body. And he became the sacrifice for us. And God, because of that, we praise you. Because of that, we glorify you. Because of that, we thank you. This morning I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, they come to know you, God. But I pray that we stand together and we glorify you for the work you have done, God. Because as we've talked about already in song and in worship this morning, you are the cornerstone. And in, without you, we have no hope. And we just pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Oh, praise the one who 
made my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat. 